You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Can't touch this. And with that, welcome into this Locked On Browns podcast. I don't know why, but today I feel like you can't touch this. And MC Hammer just kind of fit. So welcome into this Locked On Browns podcast. My name is Jared Mueller. Thank you for stopping by. I hope everybody's having a great week. Hope the weather is turning out well for you. I don't know what it says about 50 and 60 degree weather in Ohio in January, but I'm sure everyone is enjoying it, if not a little scared, about the 110 degrees we might have in July and August. But let's enjoy this while we can and we can figure out uh, how much our electric bills will be in the summer if this kind of weather pattern continues. And no, I don't want to have any type of political conversation about cycles and global warming and all of that. You can save that for someone else. But if you do want to talk to me about sports, about the Browns, Cavs, Indians, Ohio State Buckeyes, sometimes a little WWE or NXT wrestling, get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. So today's plan uh, was actually uh, to do a full mailbag uh, of Ask LOB. So um, that's not going to happen because one of the questions really brought out something that I think is just important to talk about as we talk about the Cleveland Browns. And so um, I'm going to focus really on one question. So if you do have questions that I can follow up in a full mailbag, please hashtag that Ask LOB. Again, that's Ask LOB and a hashtag and I will get a hold of your questions, and we will follow up with those uh, in the relatively near future, possibly even tomorrow. But today, the question that came to me from Dr. Gabe Michaels, so on Twitter, uh, Doc and I interact a lot, but on Twitter, uh, he goes at D-O-C underscore, and then it's Michaels, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-S, was pretty simple. Good draft theory is you don't draft for need, but you draft BPA, best player available. But when should the Browns start drafting to fill a hole rather than, I think he was going with BPA here, best player available. And so um, it actually brings up kind of the whole idea of what is good draft theory. And so let's kind of talk about what those draft theories are. The first two uh, that Doc kind of asked about, and then we'll talk really about what that would look like in this upcoming NFL draft. I'll actually use the Tennessee Titans um, as kind of my example, because they're a perfect example this year uh, that we can use kind of for both kind of ideas. And then we'll talk about how the Browns should and probably are addressing uh, the NFL draft and how many teams really do um, the idea of need and best player available as two kind of uh, polar opposites probably isn't accurate, but it makes for an easy conversation. So let's start first with need-based drafting. It's exactly what it sounds like, but a need-based draft says that you draft based on the biggest and most important needs that you have. And so if I have a glaring need for a wide receiver, I might draft the wide receiver higher than they're really graded. And so everybody's need-based drafting is different. So some need-based drafting will pump someone up 
5, 10, 15, even 20 slots. Uh, a few years ago, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I hope I pronounced the guy's name right, drafted Tyson Alalula. Yeah, like I said, I wasn't going to pronounce the guy's name right. Um, I believe it was 8th or 10th overall. And it was really a need-based draft. No one really saw him as anything uh, better than maybe a mid-second, early third-round pick was kind of where he was expected to go based on talent. And we're not just talking about media, but there was a lot of people shocked by that. But that seemed like a very big reach based on a need for a defensive lineman who did a very specific thing. And so need-based drafting is the idea that if you have a big hole on your team or big holes on your team, you need to fill them. And you need to fill them with the best possible players available. And so if I have three needs, I can kind of rank those needs and draft the best player available at the first and second and the third, as long as it kind of makes sense, right? So it's still got some value connected to it based on um, how talented a player is. If there is um, no wide receiver available uh, that has a grade within the next two rounds, you probably don't need draft. But there are a lot of Browns fans who would say the Browns need to draft for need. They have big holes. They have to fill them. And it doesn't matter if they don't fill them, if they draft the best players, because then they don't have these holes filled that are just gargantuan. So that's need-based drafting, a pretty simple concept. Uh, it's not pure and simple that you only draft for need. But in general, it, it looks at let's fill holes with the best player at those positions based on how we value or how big of a need we see that to be. The second way that Doc talked about is BPA, best player available. This is a pretty simple one as well. You grade your players, you rank your players, and then you draft the best player available at the time that you draft. Lots of things can go into that. Injury concern, um, whatever else you want, but you draft the best player, no matter what, in BPA. And this is something that we've seen from a lot of very, very good teams, um, whether it's the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, the New England Patriots. They often, a lot of the good teams, and we'll talk why Browns fans think the need-based drafters think this only happens with good teams, but a lot of the good teams will, will really draft the best player on the board. A lot of times it feels like they get steals. They get a David DeCastro dropping into the 20s. Uh, they get a Bud Dupree, same thing. Um, you know, they get whoever else kind of falls into their lap because they're willing to draft the best players available and figure out the rest around them. So instead of drafting, just going to, again, use examples, uh, if they have the 12th pick, Terrell Suggs falls to them, they take Terrell Suggs, even if maybe they didn't see that as a need because they had Terrell Suggs as the 10th best player, let's say, instead of maybe a need and they had that player ranked at number 18 or even number 12. Because Terrell Suggs was 10 and the player at their need was 12, best player available is picked. And so what happens here is it's all about acquiring talent. You worry about the fit and how they work together and what other needs you have after you've acquired a lot of talent. And so a lot of the teams have a lot of talent when they draft best player available. But do they have a team or do they have just a collection of talent? Best player available is a great thought process, especially when the Browns have a ton of draft picks. Hopefully best player available and some of the needs kind of cross over. It seems like it would this year. The Browns do need an edge rusher. I don't think there's anybody who would say um, that 
they need and they don't need an edge rusher. Manuel Ogba has looked good. Maybe Tyrone Holmes will be something. Uh, maybe Carl Nassib can play outside in a 4-3. Uh, maybe he's inside. But most people would pretty clearly state the Browns need a strong, dominant edge rusher. And most people would agree Miles Garrett is the number one overall player, right? So you have best player available, Miles Garrett. That kind of fits a need or does fit a need. The problem that need-based player people would say is it doesn't matter what you do unless you get a quarterback. And we have an obvious need at quarterback. And so you need to draft that quarterback, even if you have that quarterback ranked 10th, 11th, 15th, whatever it is, you need to get a star quarterback. And so drafting for need is more important than drafting the best player available. And that's where need drafting and best player available drafting tend to fight with each other. So let's use the Tennessee Titans as kind of an example of what that looks like and what that what that could be, kind of what the options are and the differences are, because I think they're perfectly placed right now. And they just make for a really good example. We could use, pick other teams. I know the Titans well, partially because I really desperately wanted Marcus Mariota and was willing to give up the number 12 and 23rd pick, I believe, uh, from Cameron Irving and Danny Shelton to get him. I loved Marcus Mariota, so I know a lot about their team. And so the Titans also picked number five. And so they have that pick from their trade with the St. Louis Rams, where the Rams ended up with Jared Goff. A lot of people will say that trade was made based on need. The reality is if they didn't trade into number one, Jared Goff is gone at number two. And they would all have to figure out what to do to get Carson Wentz at three or beyond, based on the fact that I know the Browns would have taken Jared Goff. But that's besides the point. So let's look at the Tennessee Titans. At number five, if the best player available on their board is a quarterback, again, that's best player available, pure best player available says draft a quarterback, right? It's the best player available. Well, they're not going to do that, right? That's where Marcus Mariota is, and so there's no point in drafting the best player available because the best player available can't really get on the field because you have a young, up-and-coming, possible star quarterback. So obviously you're not going to do that. So even a pure best player available person isn't going to draft market, uh, Mitch Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Kaiser, whoever that top guy is, if they're valued, if they're ranked at number five for the Titans. On the other hand, what if Leonard Fournette is the best player on your board? Well, I don't think you're going to draft him either. You've got Two, two running backs um, that you don't need to draft another running back. So, again, you put yourself in a position where if, if your best player available is Leonard Fournette, well, you're not going to draft him. You've got DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. And while it's not like the quarterback position, multiple running backs get on the field at the same time, it's important to understand that best player available doesn't really mean best player available. And need-based drafting asks the question, at number five, the Titans also have two first-round picks. At number five, do the Titans draft a wide receiver? In pure need-based, they might, quote-unquote, reach for a Clemson wide receiver, Mike Williams, or uh, the small school prospect, Corey Davis. The question becomes is, should they do that? Is that in the best interest of their team going forward? Again, it depends based on how they have those players graded. 
if they don't have a wide receiver graded in the top 10 to 15, drafting one at five, especially when you have more draft picks, seems and is possibly a stupid way of building a team around lesser talents just because they fill a need. And the second piece of need-based drafting is an incorrect belief that you can't find talented players at those positions at different in different rounds. Let's use Miles Garrett for an example for the Browns. He is by far considered the number one overall talent. Some people will say Jonathan Allen. I still believe he falls based on his testing. But if someone is so hung up on we have to have an edge rusher and Miles Garrett is far and above everybody else, that's saying that you can't find a good to great edge rusher somewhere else. And that limits your thought about the talent of your front office and your scouting department. And so the Titans, if they're need-based, are going to take Mike Williams. If they're best player available, they might take Leonard Fournette. The reality is the Tennessee Titans, the Cleveland Browns, and pretty much every team to different levels, right? So when we talk about what each front office or coaching staff needs, need-based drafting becomes stronger when you think your job's in jeopardy. If you're the New York Jets, Todd Bowles, you're pushing for a need-based drafting because you want to keep your job. Need-based drafting fills a hole immediately, and you can hopefully keep your job. You can hopefully sustain things, kind of get things rolling. Where best player available is a little bit more likely or a stronger idea for a young staff who feels secure in what they're doing. It's what we saw from the Browns last year at some extent. They really did. Now, they filled needs, but we had so many. They really did draft best player available. How do I think I know that? How many wide receivers did they draft? Four plus Seth DeValve? Because they were the best players available at those times, they drafted them. Now, they might have reached for Cody Kessler in the third round, but Doc's question is huge. When do you When are you okay reaching for needs? For me, third round is a little high. Fourth round starts to become more reasonable. In the first three rounds, you should have starter, star-level players. Fourth round on, quality, backup, starters, maybe, all of that kind of stuff. So for me, it's fourth round on. But how do teams draft? Teams draft with the idea of best value. What we mean by that is pretty simple. You want to fill a need or fill a position of need or a position of value with the best player available. Listen, inside linebacker, both in every draft for every team and especially for the Cleveland Browns, isn't going to have a lot of value. First, inside linebacker is is undervalued currently, sort of like running back. Again, that might change a little bit with how Zeke did, but the position itself is undervalued. You don't tend to see those players taken in the top five, even top 10, no matter how dominant they are. And so automatically, even if Ruben Foster is considered the number one talent, better than Miles Garrett, better than Jonathan Allen, better than better than Malik Hooker, he's not getting drafted number one overall. I don't care what team is drafting at the top of the draft. He's an inside linebacker. He's what in the business is called an off-the-ball linebacker. That position is devalued. For the Browns, they've got Christian Kirksey, 
They've got Jamie Collins. They need something different than probably a Reuben Foster because when nickel package happens, guess who's not on the field? One of those three really, really good linebackers. So instead of take, using the number 12 pick for a linebacker that's only going to be on the field about 30-some percent of the time, or who would kick some of your other players off the field because he's so good, doesn't matter. You got There's not a value there. So best value does a couple of things. It looks forward more than it looks backwards. So best value generally doesn't look to fill a need today. They look at their free agents, aging players, retirements, whatever, and they look to replace their players in advance because there's value there. If I can bring in a player who can develop in his rookie year, play some but develop, and is ready to start in his second and third year after I've let a veteran go on a huge contract, well, I got a lot of value there. It allows for their upside to develop while also making sure kind of our cap stays in a good position. A lot of value there. We also put a lot of value in best value drafting on positions. You can really even rank them at some level. It's quarterback. It's pass rusher. It's left tackle. Nowadays, it's left tackle and right tackle kind of fit into there. It's cornerback. It's free safety. It's strong safety. Right, and you just kind of fill in the rest of them, wide receiver and tight end, running back, all of that kind of stuff around it. But the position has value. Like I said, with with inside linebacker or guard or even center, there's a reason those tend to get pushed down. So best value allows you to draft based on the value of the positions you are drafting. Best value drafting also looks at the depth of a draft. So again, we talk about pass rushers. There's a lot of good pass rushers in this draft. There's a lot of good safeties. There's some very good cornerbacks. There's a ton of running backs. Best value starts to look at, well, what could be available when I pick next? For the Browns, four picks in the top 52, there's a lot of talent going to be available. So in other positions that maybe I value, but they don't have a lot of options. Maybe there's only three or four quarterbacks that you would draft in the first two rounds. Well, that pushes their value up because of what else is available. Some would argue Miles Garrett plus the fourth quarterback, which is what you could get at 12 possibly, because three others could go between one and 12. Miles Garrett plus the fourth quarterback isn't as valuable as say, again, whoever your quarterback is, Mitch Trubisky, Deshaun Kaiser, Deshaun Watson, at one, and then say a Derek Barnett, Carl Lawson at 12, that there's more value there because the drop-off from Miles Garrett to Derek Barnett or Miles Garrett to Carl Lawson or whoever else you have, uh, Tack, there's a bunch of guys that are rushing the edge here. The drop-off's not the same as it would be for the top three to the fourth quarterback. So again, all of that stuff gets wrapped up into value. And that's really what the Browns are going to do, have done, and most teams do. It's easy to say, let's push for need. And need is important. There's a level to that where the Browns do need to fill some needs. But even if they fill their needs, are they going to be good enough? So instead of filling their needs in the draft, most likely you're going to see the Browns try to attack some of their needs versus via trade and via free agency so that in the draft, in their 
cost-effective nature of the draft, they can bring in a ton of best players available at positions they value, at positions of depth and value in their in the draft class. So it's a lot less black and white and a lot more gray, huh? It's easy to talk about need-based drafting and best player available drafting. Again, I start to need draft in the fourth round. Some might think the third. Some might say never. But I need starts to push up the board as I go farther down the board. I want players to start to fill some of those those depth needs later. In the beginning of the draft, I want some top-level talent. Because who knows what next year is going to bring. We can hope. We can wish. I want some top-level talent. But we're going to take into account value. Positional, the full draft, what other value is there at those positions? And how do I maximize the talent on my team in the things that I value? That might be a long answer, Doc. But that is what value-based drafting is all about. It's about finding the gray areas. Thanks for stopping by this Lockdown Browns podcast again. My name is Jared Mueller. You can get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller, J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Thanks for stopping by this Lockdown Browns podcast, and go Browns! Somewhere deep inside your mind, there's a place where dreams live. And now those dreams have the chance to come to life. Because USAA Life Insurance is sponsoring the Live Your Dream sweepstakes, where you could win $50,000. That's $50,000 to let those dreams out of your head and into your hands. Enter for a chance to win and view official rules at www.usaa.com slash lifesweeps or call 1-800-531-LIFE. No purchase necessary. USAA Life Insurance Company, San Antonio, Texas, and in New York, by USAA Life Insurance Company, New York, Highland Falls, New York.